Anyway, um, there's, a, there's a Christmas song that's been going around my head these last few weeks, and it's uh, Johnny Mathis, oh, yeah. you know, When a Child is Born. Um, I remember singing it in primary school as a solo, or I sung a verse, I think. I mean, it's, it's, as a song, I I'm, I'm, can't say I'm that fond of it, but that first verse has just been kind of gnawing in my brain for, for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know how it goes? Uh, a ray of hope flickers in the sky. A tiny star lights up way up high. All across the land dawns a brand new morn. This comes to pass when a child is born. Yeah, 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 we got born. Well done. Um, and I think it's this idea of a ray of hope. A ray of hope. Um, I just think it's a compelling image. Not, a, not even a full ray. It's like a, a ray of hope that's flickering. It's like it's not quite, it's not quite fully formed. But it's, it's, it's hope and it's, it's just flickering. And, and I was thinking about, uh, we've got a, a wood-burning stove. And when it's cold and you try and light it, um, you kind of get that flickering flame. It doesn't want to light very easily and, and what I've discovered that if I light it and, and watch it it doesn't light it doesn't take and goes out whereas if I light it and walk out the room 10 minutes later I come back and the whole thing's roaring but that, that flickering flame that light that just wants to start and, and this whole idea of a flickering light it's small but it's, it's full of potential and the darkness can't stop the light in fact darkness can't hold back light at all yeah. and the more darkness you have the more potent the light is and I think this is a great picture of hope isn't it the barest flicker of hope is actually such a powerful thing it's so so powerful hope can inspire us to do impossible things Hope can see us through difficult circumstances. It can mend the cracks in your soul. It can, it can go a long way, even just a little bit of hope. The Bible tells us that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not go faint. Hope is amazing. Uh, the Russian writer Dostoevsky, he said that to live without hope is to stop living. If you don't have hope, then actually your life will stop, essentially. Losing hope is essentially the same thing as giving up on life. When you've got no hope, there is no point going on. And sadly, I'm talking to people in this season and at this time, and particularly coming out of the pandemic, and, and there's a lot of people who have lost their hope. They've just lost a sense of who they are. And I, and I don't just mean non-Christians, I mean in the church as well. And actually to a degree, I've, you know, I have felt a little bit of that. And I know so many people have too, that it's really sucked the hope out of people. And maybe that's why this image from this Christmas song is so powerful. A ray of hope flickers in the sky. And I think probably this is a, a great... I want to stand up and walk around. It's a great picture of what, this, what the Christmas season should be and actually what the message of Jesus should be. It should be an amazing message of hope. The idea that hope 
comes from a child that's been born. The child is born and so we have hope. It actually rooted in Old Testament um, prophecy. There's loads and loads of prophecies, hundreds. Um, if you, some theologians would say 300, some will say 500. Some will, there's lots and lots of prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And a lot of those are to do with his birth and the fact that he's coming. And Isaiah is probably the most famous one, Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, and this is where the song, When a Child is Born, actually gets its uh, roots, its ideas. It says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end no end to the greatness of his peace he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever which includes now from then from that time on from the time he's born forever so it starts if you know the first bit of that passage um Sorry. The first bit of that passage talks about the people walking in darkness, the people living in a land of deep darkness. And this is exactly where we find ourselves at the beginning of the New Testament. It's a land of darkness. And what I mean by that is um, they've had kind of 700 years of darkness, of bad stuff happening in the nation of Israel. Um, God hasn't communicated with his people for the last 400 years the theologians call it the silent years um, and in this time over the past 700 years the nation of Israel has been invaded and defeated and occupied by Assyrians Babylonians the Persians the Medes and the Greeks and now the Romans so they've had all these people come in they've been exiled and God hasn't spoken. So all they've got to hold on to are these prophecies of Jesus. That's the only bit of hope, light that they've got. The predictions that a Messiah will come. A hero who's going to come into the land, who's going to put things right, who is going to overthrow the offending, occupying armies, bring Israel back to its former glory. Maybe a king like David who will rule with justice and power, who will bring respect to, to the nation and strike fear into the heart of other nations. And the people, they long for their promised Messiah. And over the years, various people have, have turned up, have come on the scene and have proclaimed themselves as the Messiah and have been lifted up as the Messiah, but they weren't and they kind of faded into, into nothing. And it's kind of deepened the anguish and deepened the darkness and the hopelessness of the Israelite nation. And now hundreds of years later, these people, I guess for a lot of them, they've stopped waiting. And they've given up hope. And the best that they can do is survive. And I don't know if any of you, if any of us can resonate with that. I know I can to some degree, where you, you give up dreaming 
you stop thinking, oh, what might be, because you just don't know what's going to happen. I know these past two years have felt like a bit of a darkness. When, when COVID first hit, uh, we were talking in terms of, oh, it's just a, you know, a few weeks, then we'll get back to normal. Normal, that's what we're aiming for. We want to get back to normal. And then normal didn't come. And then they started talking about a new normal. There's going to be a new normal that we're just going to have to get used to. And think about normal. I was thinking about the word normal. What does it mean? It means that it's things you can predict. It's like the same old, same old. It's uh, you know what's going to happen in a normal so if I, you ask me how my weekend was and I say, oh, it was normal, you know by that, oh, okay, well, it's just, it's just a normal weekend. It's just the same weekend like every other weekend. And that's what normal means. You know what to expect. You can be confident that you know what tomorrow is going to look like, which gives us the confidence to make decisions. Normal kind of used to mean boring. Yeah. Who wants a bit of normal now? <laughs> yeah, who wants, who wants to be able to expect what's going to happen? You see, no. Well, we're making plans, aren't we, for, for Christmas and for the new year, but we don't really know. Actually, we're talking about coming back together on the second, and we might, but who knows what the government's going to say between now and then. And we booked a, a holiday a couple of weeks ago for the next summer for, as a family. And it used to be when you booked a holiday, you would get excited about it, right? You would think, but now you just think, well, we've booked it. We might go. Who knows? Uh, and it's just, it's just not normal. I'm wondering if we're ever going to see that level of consistency and normal again. It felt like things were getting normal and then a couple of weeks ago Omicron turned up. New restrictions, new warnings. New masks. New masks, yeah. And when things aren't normal, it is kind of a darkness. It is because you don't know what to expect. Now, I, I don't really want to compare our two years of COVID with the Israelites' 400 years of darkness under occupied rule. Um, but maybe we can kind of empathize with some of these characters a little bit, how they were feeling, just when is this going to end? When is this, this going to end? So, into this uncertain, God-forsaken darkness, a ray of hope flickers in the sky. And I want you to imagine you're looking up into a dark sky, and it all looks pretty black, but then you see a tiny dot of light flickering in the distance and as you look the light gets closer and bigger and brighter and closer and brighter until actually that flicker of light is an angel and it's standing there in front of you there are three different people in the nativity account who get a visit from an angel a physical visit from an actual angel and all of them in their own way, need an injection of hope. We're going to look at all three today. So we're going to start at the beginning. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth. So we read their story at the beginning of Luke's gospel. Now, Zechariah is a priest of the tribe of Levi. Um, they live righteous. The Bible tells us that he and his wife Elizabeth, they live righteous and blameless lives. They've wanted to have kids. That's quite a big factor in their story. They've wanted to have kids, but 
uh, they have been unable to have children and now it says they're both really old. So the implication is they wanted kids but now they're too old to have kids. Now the Levites, uh, of which Zechariah is one, were appointed by God back in Exodus to, um, to serve as priests in the temple and it was a really special role. So we have this couple that is in one way they've kind of got this special task, they've been appointed but in another sense, they're old and they don't have children. And at that time, it was assumed if you didn't have children, it was because God was cross with you in some way. So they're kind of living with the, the stigma and trauma of that. And they've been praying for a child, or they had prayed for a child in the past. And we can be sure they've asked God for help in this. And this, this is a story that God enters into, this broken, hope-deprived couple is how Luke starts his good news story because God uses broken people doesn't he he uses it for his divine purposes it's in our brokenness that God's strength flows into us and um, we become useful vessels for his purpose so Zechariah is serving as a priest he's on duty and he's actually chosen by lot to to be the one to go into the holy place to, um, to burn the incense. So really special. Uh, and then we read this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now I've highlighted that because actually in, in some translations this can be read as the prayer you no longer make. The prayer you once made but you no longer make has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. So Zechariah has lost hope. He once prayed for, for the thing he most desired for, for a child but he's given up on his dream. Obviously he's now too old and his expectations have changed uh, due to his repeated disappointment. And now maybe some of us here feel the same way. I think a lot of people do disappointed with the world right now or disappointed with your family or disappointed with God or disappointed with the church or just disappointed with your life maybe you feel like you're going through the motions maybe the hopes and dreams that you once had the things that you once prayed for you've stopped praying for because you've lost hope I know over the last couple of years thinking about the things that I was looking forward to that didn't I had a trip planned with my brother at the start of last year uh, we were going to go and visit the concentration camps at Auschwitz and we had to cancel that and we've had our summer holiday cancelled four times over the last two years uh, we've had family celebrations cancelled and church events cancelled and trips with friends cancelled and I know I'm not I'm not speaking woe is me we've all had the same things I know it and I think God wants to say to us, being at the end of ourselves can be the making of us. It's when we get to the end of ourselves that we get to the start of him and the hope that he wants to inject into us. God has already planted the seed that will see something new birthed in us. And maybe it's over this Christmas season, maybe it's over this next year, but I believe God wants you to see a ray of hope this morning flickering because he, want, he wants to inject us all with hope
You may not feel it at the moment, but it's there. So 700 years before this happened, Isaiah prophesied about their son John, John the Baptist. Um, it turned out to be Isaiah chapter 40. It said this, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And I think that's our message today. Or this was the message to Zachary. In your wilderness, in your desert, in your darkness, get ready for God. Prepare for God. Don't lose hope. Don't stop dreaming. Keep on hoping, keep on dreaming, keep on praying, and keep on expecting. Keep expecting. God is going to come through in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert. If you read on from there, he talks about a kind of amazing thing growing in the desert. Okay, it's going to happen. Prepare the way for the Lord. Hebrews 10 tells us to hold tightly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Okay, so that's Zechariah. Luke continues telling the story by immediately jumping six months into the future. By now, Elizabeth is six months pregnant um, and another angel comes to Mary, to a relative of, uh, of Elizabeth, this is Mary in Nazareth. Now, Mary isn't someone who's got no hope, I don't think, but she has low hope. She has kind of a low expectation of her life. She's uh, a young girl. She's a young girl living in a pretty much a patriarchal society. She lives in this backwater village in Nazareth. She hasn't got much in the way of prospects, <laughs> but that's all about to change dramatically. And maybe this describes how some of us are feeling as well. Maybe you haven't got no hope, but maybe you've got low expectations of yourself because of your age, whether you feel like you're young or you're old or your condition, maybe you just feel like, how can, how can I serve? How can I do anything good? Mary is about to have her low hope elevated out of sight. Her expectations of a normal family life are about to be expanded uh, again by an angel. So here we go. The angel went to Mary and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I want you to imagine you're Mary just for a moment and you're listening to this. Obviously, forget the fact this has been delivered by an angel, which in itself would be pretty terrifying. Um, this angel has come to Mary with these big statements about kingdoms and reigning and the son of God and King David and tucked neatly within this list is this idea you're going to have a baby <clears throat> and it made me think of the times when actually when I go shopping um, and Fru doesn't like me to go shopping for food because I always bring the wrong things back I don't know if any other men can appreciate this. You bring the wrong thing back from the supermarket just because you get distracted by all the treats and things. No, no, just me. It's I think it's the right things. <laughs> but what I do is I come back 
and I give through a big list of all the things I've bought and I try and tidy in the list. So yeah, I bought cheese and bread and milk and, and Ben and Jerry's and cabbage and Kara carrots and uh, yeah, it didn't work for Fru either. Um, yeah, she, you get it. And, and here's Mary listening to this list of great things and tucked within it is, I'm gonna have a baby. And she's like, what, whoa, 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 hold, I'll hold your horses a minute. You say I'm gonna have a baby, look, how? I haven't actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a virgin. How is this going to happen? And the angel answers, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Don't worry about the how. That's easy. Actually, for you, I mean... We've done it for Elizabeth, and she's like 67, 70 years old. How easy do you think it is for you? You know, we can do anything. Um, no word from God will ever fail. It can't fail. God is faithful. God has said it. It's a done deal. This is the hope of the world and Mary you're central to it and Mary I have to say is one of my favorite biblical characters not because she's the mother of Jesus not because she raises the son of God not because there are loads of statues in her in the cathedrals all around the world but I love her because of her response in this moment now I'm someone I have I have faith okay uh, it's uh, I think it's a supernatural faith I I I find it easy to believe God and I was prayed over when I was young and, and the gift of faith was given to me and that's great. When God speaks, I like to step out in faith. I like to do that. And I think I'm someone who has confidence in God but Mary's faith in this moment is just next level. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. She doesn't say, do you not know how this is going to look? I'm engaged to Joseph. What's he going to say about this? What's my family going to say? I'm never going to be let into the synagogue again. They may even kill me for this. She doesn't go there. She just, may your word to me be fulfilled. This 13, 14 year old girl with faith like a rock We often think of faith as being something that moves God to an action. If you have enough faith, then God will such and such. You just have to have enough faith for God to move. But I think, I think it's something different. Perfect faith is not faith that moves God. Perfect faith is faith that enables us to trust God when we don't have a clue what he's doing. When we don't know what he's up to. When we just feel like we're in the dark. And yet we can trust God. I think that is the strongest faith ever, really. And I guess that's my message today is, if you feel like your life is full of darkness and you're hopeless, take your faith. Use your faith as a springboard to hope. What does it say in Hebrews 11? Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is where we get our hope from. And if we, can, if we can be sure that no word from God will ever fail, if we can be sure that our God is faithful, then this 
should be our posture, one of absolute faith in him. Just like Mary, may your word to me be fulfilled. I don't know what you're doing. You're going to make me pregnant. Great. I don't know kind of how this is going to look. I don't know how this is going to pan out. But I trust you. May your word to me be fulfilled. Let's invest our hope. Let's raise our faith. Finally, the last angel, the third angel. So Luke goes ahead after this and he describes the birth of Jesus. We all know the story. We've probably seen in it in a number of nativity plays over the years um, and then there's another visit from an angel to some shepherds the shepherds are out in the field on a cold night looking after smelly dirty sheep and this is their lot in life they've got no status in society they the shepherds are the lowest of the low in society or so I thought okay it was Eli or it's Eliza's nativity I think this coming week I think it's going to be done on video now. It was going to be. Anyway, um, we, we were sent a cast list from her uh, school class about a kind of which part the different children are going to play. And we're like, yeah, great, who's she going to be? Is she going to be the angel? Is she going to be uh, the innkeeper's wife? Is she going to be the star? Uh, or or the, will all the planets align in our universe and she'll get Mary? You know, who, who knows? This could happen. And it arrived and we looked down. Eliza Bird, the shepherd's assistant. <laughs> Not even the shepherd. The shepherd's assistant. Assistant to the shepherd. It's like the back end of the donkey or something, isn't it? For years and years, preachers have told of the wonders of this saviour who came to earth and invited the lowest in society, the shepherds, to be present at the birth. There's a whole theology around this, but you heard it here first. There's a, there's a character who's even lower, the shepherd's assistant. Amazing. Anyway, so the shepherds, uh, they have very little hope they have very little expectation because of their status in society but here comes a ray of light flickering in the darkness and the angel said to the shepherds do not be afraid i bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of david a savior has been born to you he is the messiah the lord and this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the angels come and deliver this announcement to shepherds, to the no-hopers, not to the rulers, not to the elite, not to the rich, not the influential, but to shepherds and their assistants. All right? Not only does the angel deliver this message, but the angel is accompanied by a whole load of angels. Some commentaries say this is all the angels in heaven come to be present at this time. They've been excited for millennia and they're just waiting in the darkness for the angel to deliver this news and then they suddenly appear and they sing this great chorus in the sky, this company of angels in front of the shepherds and their assistants. It says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the hev highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. Can you imagine what this looked like? 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And the shepherds' lives are changed forever and their assistance. They came to Jesus and they're injected with a new hope planted in their hearts. And Jesus wants to do the same for us today. But we need to come to him. You see, there's, uh, this series is, has been called uh, Making his story or making history yeah and in the bible there are two stories going on there's the upper story there's the over narrative which is uh god doing all the work that he's doing in order to bring mankind through to redemption and that's you know all through the old and new testament you see that that arc happening and so in the upper story here jesus is the hope of the whole world they're big plans afoot, changing the course of history. Jesus ushering in a new covenant uh, between God and man. This is his story. But there's also this lower story going on at the same time. And this is Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is, this is Mary and Joseph. This is the shepherds. And each of their lives are being changed. Each of their lives are being changed beyond recognition because of this new hope. Jesus, yes, he's the hope of the world, but he's also my hope. He's also your hope. Each of your hope, each of our hope, a ray of hope flickering in the sky. So whether you're like Zechariah and Elizabeth, you had hope once, but over the course of time, you feel like you've lost it. Or whether you're like Mary, and your expectations for yourself are just low because of the way society is or because of what's happening. Or maybe you're like the shepherds and you think because of who you are, your status, your, your education, your age, your prospects, you think actually you don't have hardly any expectation for your life. Jesus is the ray of hope for all of us. And he wants us to come to him in faith. And hold on to hope. Grasp hope again. Amen. I'm done.